chapter 24 is where we'll be. Man, God's been so good to us. Like Brother Preston said, he's answered prayers already, uh, even from this morning into now, and I, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for uh, different ones stepping out uh, uh, to share testimonies and songs and different things. That's a blessing. I'm telling you what, that uh, that that surely blesses me. I know it blesses each one of us, and, and it blesses the Lord. You know, He is... Uh, he is thrilled when we do His will, when we worship Him uh, in spirit and in truth, and I'm thankful for that. Just want to look at two verses uh, here at the end of the book of Joshua, uh, or close to the end. It's not, uh, this sh- shouldn't be a, a shock of these verses, shouldn't be the first time you've ever heard them, but Joshua 24, 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. Serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which our fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, we thank you again for bringing us into your house. We thank you for your word, for its truth. Lord, I pray that you would open up our eyes, our our hearts and our ears, uh, Lord, today for what you have for us today. Touch hearts. Lord, uh, we're so thankful for what you're doing in this church and touching hearts. And Lord, I pray it would continue even now, uh, Lord, if any, any backslider, any lost, any confused, Lord, that they would come to you and find uh, uh, find the way, the real answer, and Lord, that they would be sure that they're saved today. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with each one of us. We're so thankful for all that you're doing and all you've done. And in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Amen. So we see right here, Joshua, he's nearing the end of his life and he's giving a challenge to the children of Israel. And he's telling them, hey, there's always going to be a temptation to serve another God. There's always going to be there. That's what he's telling them. He's saying, hey, I'm going to be gone. You're going to continue on. But every day, uh, whether it's the God of the Amorites, whether that's the gods from before, even uh, the flood time in Egypt and everywhere in between, there's always going to be be uh, uh, that, uh, uh, that, that, that temptation there. And he's saying, hey, remember the Amorites, we didn't drive everybody out. So they've got their gods as well. And you have to be clear. Uh, but one thing I see right here is there's a choice, right? You see, there's a choice and it's a daily choice. But even though I've looked at this passage, I don't know how many times I realized something this uh, last time I looked at it. Uh, and and do you see what it says? Uh, in our minds, we, we think of this maybe as choose you this day uh, who you'll worship, right? Because he's talking about idols. He's talking about other gods. But that's not what the passage says. Do you, look at that again. Verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Uh, verse 15. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord choose you this day whom you will serve but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord do you see that it's about service that's what he's talking about and you're thinking well that's strange in those days, they, they might have had a little statue that they melted down the metal uh, or built out of wood or carved it out of stone or something like that. You might be thinking, well, that's weird. Uh, you know, they had a lot of these statues and idols. Why are they talking about serving? Which one are you going to serve? 
And here's the thing, that idol worship started, it started with worship. But then, after not too much time later, they became a servant to that idol. Right? That idol started to rule their life. They served, they were working for the thing that they created. And that's how crazy it seems. But uh, it, what started with worshiping a lifeless statue ended up making that statue rule over them. And Joshua was telling them every day, you and I have to choose who we're going to serve, right? Who are we going to serve? Who, what, who are we going to allow or what are we going to allow to rule over us? They could serve the gods of the Egyptians, but we talked about it this morning in Sunday school. Uh, those gods of the Egyptians were powerless against the power of our Lord, right? It, they, they couldn't match it. They couldn't stop it or anything else. So it seems like an easy choice, a lifeless statue or the living God. But you know what? We've read our Bibles, haven't we? We know what happens. They chose lifeless statue over and over again. And guess what? It may not be a literal statue that's pulling us today. But I'll tell you one thing. Wednesday night we were talking about 1 Corinthians 10. And when it mentioned idolatry, it didn't mention the golden calf. It mentioned uh, they were eating and drinking and rose up to play. That was the idolatry part. Yes, there's a golden calf, uh, but it wasn't all that was the idolatry. And really, one of the things we were talking about Wednesday night is there's so many things that be can become an idol that's not a statue. And he's saying right here, you've got to choose between that every day. Remember Wednesday night, I told you, we don't just have the golden calf. I don't have it with me, but what else do we have? Right? You can have the golden tablet, the golden cell phone, the golden computer, right? The golden car, whatever you want. It, it can become an idol. And he's saying you've got to choose every day. But what does that choice look like today? What current examples do we have today? Because uh, in the time of idolatry isn't the same as us today. But you know what? The oldest book of the Bible, Genesis, talks about gives us some examples that I think they work. And at first you're thinking, well, that doesn't make sense, Mike. You're going to go as far back as we can, the oldest book of the Bible. But remember, Jesus said when he returns, it's going to look like Noah's day, right? It's going to look like Lot's day. It's going to look like that. They lived in a similar time frame. Genesis 6, 5 described Noah's day as this, and God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Does that sound like today? Yes, it does. And Lot, where did he live? Remember the name of the city? Columbus? Oh, I mean Sodom, right? What's the difference? Is there any difference anymore? No. No. And both of those men were fathers. They both had children. Yeah. Noah had children. Lot had children. And they're raising children in the midst of sin and corruption. Right. So now it sounds like something we could use today, right? It sounds like something that will help us today. Uh, Hebrews eleven seven 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, uh, and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. And you know, one of those things we learn about knowing the ark, probably one of the earliest stories we teach the youngest kids. 
right? That's one of the earliest ones. Uh, and, and one of the problems is we, we think about it as a children's story and we don't always think about, hey, Noah was a father during this time, right? He was a father. He had children. So imagine uh, just for a second, if we just try to go back to the time of Noah and think about after God had told this to him to prepare this ark, he would have uh, called the family together and they would have talked about it. And he would have said, I've heard from God, right? God spoke to me and told me there's a flood coming and gave me instructions to build an ark. And you think about what would it have taken to actually do that? Now, some of us have been down to Kentucky and have seen the replica, how huge it is. It's massive. It's an enormous thing. And what would they have done? Noah's children would have watched their father. You know, he would have started to draw plans, right? Kind of measure things out, get it, take God's instructions. And here's what uh, we also know that the ark had rooms in it. It had three levels. We know these a couple descriptions we have, how big it is, a room, three levels, one door, one window. That's about all the description we have of it. But you think about him laying out the plans and uh, Noah would have been doing this uh, uh, for a while and then laying out the materials that he would need uh, uh, to work on this. And then he would start actually going out to get some of the materials. I don't know if he cut down the gopher wood trees himself or or what, but he'd had to go get those things. And, and, and there he is day after day working on uh, uh, getting the wood where it needs to be in the right size and, uh, and measuring things out and starting to put things together. And then you think about that ark slowly from the ground up starting to be built. And, and again, an enormous project, a huge thing uh, over and over again. But I believe Noah's children, his sons would have seen him day after day doing that. Amen. They would have and probably helped uh, once they got to the, the right age and different things like that. Uh, but here's the thing. Not only would they have watched their dad start to build this ark. Second Peter 2 5 says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And I guarantee if he's building something this big, it would have gotten people's attention. Amen. As he's starting to build this, I believe not only would he have worked with people to get some supplies and different things that he needs, but I think there would have been people that just stopped by to say what the world is going on. I've heard about this. I've seen things and stopping by and talking to Noah. I believe Noah's sons would have heard him talk to these people. And it wasn't just about the weather and about the type of wood and everything else. You know what Noah, they heard Noah talk about? The whole reason the ark needed built in the first place. Right? It said he's a preacher of righteousness. So if you're preaching righteousness, what's the other side of the coin? That's sin. And in that wicked, evil uh, imagination time that he's living in, uh, he would have told uh, he would have told these people that have stopped by or just preached uh, uh, after he was done for a while. Whatever he did, uh, he would have told them that, hey, judgment is coming. 
Right. Why? Because of sin. Uh, and that's the same thing we're preaching today. Right? We are preaching not uh, of this ark will save you. We're preaching that Jesus Christ will yeah. save you. Yeah. Amen? And the reason he will save you is because you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Amen? We have gone against God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All like sheep have gone astray. We turn to him. You know, every one of us, none of us, there's none good. No, not one. And you think about they would have heard different things that their dad said. And even though it wasn't popular, it's not popular today. It didn't match the culture of the day to say, hey, you've got to change your life. You've got to give up your wickedness and repent and turn to God and trust in this boat that we're working on building to save you from a flood when it hasn't even rained before. It's that faith. But his, his sons would have heard him talk about this and preach righteousness. And this went on for decades. And you're thinking about how slow of a project and you think about, you know, I know if you ever build stuff or you've got home projects, things go wrong, right? Things don't go according to plan. You know, I, I remember talking to Aaron Beacom about remodeling and he said the great thing about remodeling is you start to tear things down and you realize it's worse than you thought, right? There are, you tear things down and you realize what's behind the wall is worse than what you could see. Right? And then did different projects. He's working on this, and you know he encountered problems. But imagine when they got all the way to when they're doing the roof. They're almost right the way they're finally finishing the roof uh, and cutting it out and putting the, the window because we know the one window in the ark was on the roof. Why? So he could open it up and see God. Not the problem, not the world, but he could see God. Amen. And I think they would have celebrated that day. Oh, but they weren't done that day. They had to get food for themselves and for the animals. So they'd have worked on that. Who knows how long that took to gather all of that food that's needed and then gathering the animals. I don't know if, they ju if God just had them walk in on their own accord or if Noah had to go get them. I don't know. God could have done either. But it was a lot of work. But Noah, day after day, year after year, decade after decade, for a hundred years, worked on this. And got to the end. And he's finally done. And this is what we get of the building project. You ready? Genesis 7, 5. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. That's it. That's the only description. 7, 1. God says, come thou and all thy house into the ark. You know what happened? Noah walked in first and his wife and his three sons and his three daughter-in-laws came in and the eight of them went into the ark and that's it. And the Lord shut the door. And they say based on people and how long they lived and the time that had passed and everything else there was probably a billion people on the earth and only eight went into that ark that seems like a failure doesn't it eight in a billion but they didn't want to get in there was enough room right we've seen it it's enormous there was plenty of room for whoever wanted in there but only eight went in but here's the thing, we could stop and think about, well, 
Man, it just it just doesn't seem like a big success. He preached righteousness, and uh, you know he nobody really listened. They they might have listened for a while, but then they said, "I don't want to change, or I don't agree with you, or I don't think this this ark is offensive," and everything else. The same thing they would do today. I believe they were doing the same thing then. But Noah didn't quit. Why? Because he had to choose each day who he's going to serve. Right. right? Either his own self-interest or serve what the world wanted him to do or he's going to serve the Lord. But he was faithful. He didn't quit. And here's the thing. We could say, well, it wasn't a great success. But look, you could say, well, he did build an ark. But guess what? It was never about the ark. You know what it was about? His family. Right? And obeying God. And his family got in and went with him. We have one more example from Genesis. Noah there gets in and he escapes judgment. But do you realize Lot got very similar instructions to Noah not to build an ark. But listen to this Genesis 19 12 and the men these are the angels that came to the city said unto Lot hast thou here besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whosoever thou hast in the city bring them out of this place. Right? Remember what Noah got. Noah got instructions from the Lord. Judgment's coming. Build the ark because that's what's going to save you from judgment. Now the angels are telling Lot the city's going to be destroyed. If you've got any family in this city, they you got to get them to come out. Remember, Lot's a father. What's he do? Verse 14, real quick. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And you know, I've read that a bunch. And he's rushing out. And when I read that, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law, every time I read it, I was thinking that his sons-in-law were mocking him. But that's not really what it's saying. What it's saying is the sons-in-law thought Lot was mocking them. And you're thinking, now wait a second. If they think Lot is joking, what's that tell you about Lot? Right? What's that tell you about him? If Lot is finally coming to them and saying, this is sin, this is righteousness, the judgment is coming, you've got to get out of the city, and they're laughing at him. Why? Because he's never told them this before. That's right. Right? Why would they ever think it's a joke? No, it would be worded differently if Lot told them this over and over again. It would say they rejected it again. Right? Yeah. It doesn't say that. They thought he was joking. They thought it was a big joke. Oh, sin. Oh, you're going to talk about sin, Lot? And you know what his family could say? His daughters could say? I remember the day we left being with Abraham. I remember the day you looked towards Sodom because it was well watered. I remembered when we went uh, part way and we pitched our tent. This is what Lot's children could say. I remember these days. I remember when, you know, at first we were just farmers with all our herds and everything else. And we were close to the city. But I remember the day we moved into the city. Right? That's what it is. That's what Lot's children could say. And then, because we know that he was at the gate of the city when the angels come, we know back then that meant he was a leader. 
almost like a mayor or a judge of the city. He was very important by that point. So they could have said, Dad, we remember when you were, uh, I don't know if they had elections back then or what, but uh, I remember when you wanted to become the mayor, the politician, the, the judge, the whatever, the city, and you ran for up. I remember helping you with that. And he's saying, now you want to leave all this? You love this. You're tied to this. You're ingrained in this. We have a house. We have houses here. What do you mean? Are you joking? And they went to bed and went to sleep. And early that next morning, hailstones of fire start raining down. And the city's destroyed. We have no evidence that Lot ever did anything by faith or ever said anything about the Lord, or gave any truth. And then at the end, we see that his family, there's no memories there. And then with the day they had to make the decision, they stayed. Right? Remember, Noah's family had to make a decision that day too, and they followed him. You see the difference? They thought he were joking, and Lot lost everything. Lost his wife, his kids, everything. But here's the thing. We have a choice today. Remember that, that that's what in that what Joshua said, right? Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what he's saying. We have a choice today. You know what? The, you know what? Children, grandchildren, or even maybe you don't have any children, but I'm telling you, we got plenty here that you can be an example for while you're here. Is we need, they need to see men that are number one saved by Jesus Christ. Amen? That are truly saved. Not acting saved, truly saved. And I'm here to tell you, if you've never come to Jesus Christ for pardon and remission of sin, if you've never admitted you're a sinner, you need to come to Jesus. All right, we, we preach a lot of other things about how to be a Christian. But first thing is you need to be a Christian first. You need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what else these kids need to see? They need to see men that will live a pure life. They see enough men that don't live holy, right? It aggravates me when uh, at work we have had to... You know, one of the things I do is I invite people to leave involuntarily, kick them out. You know, we've had to kick out several people because they just, the way they talk to women that work at the bank, it's disgusting. That doesn't belong in the church. That doesn't belong in our homes. We need men that are pure and holy Amen. when people are watching and when they're not. Amen. Not only that, we need men that will trust the Lord by faith. Amen? That, that's what Noah was doing. He was trusting the Lord. And remember, like I said, that was a day after day grueling thing. And at the end, he built this ark that was for one time. And then it's gone. It's, it's you know, it's busted up and everything else. It's not around anymore. Uh, uh, the, the ark is gone. But his family lives on today. Amen? That's the difference. And we need men that will serve the Lord every day, that will choose to serve the Lord every day. You know what the devil wants? He wants to still steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to do that with families, marriages, children, everything, churches. And he wants us to bow down to him in service. 
But guess what? We're going to choose to serve the Lord today. Right? Is that what we're going to choose to do? Amen. Because it's a choice. Yeah, Every one of us. I'm telling you what. If you're a man today and your wife is the spiritual leader of your house, it shouldn't be that way. Right. Praise God that she is close to the Lord. Amen. But it should not be that way. That's not what the Bible says. Men, we need to lead. Yeah. Right? Lead our children, lead our spouses, lead those around us. That's what we need to do. But it's a choice. And guess what? If you've wasted time, okay, today's a new day. Amen. What's he say? Choose you this day. Yeah. You might have made the wrong choice yesterday. You can make the right choice today. Yeah. Before it's too late. Well, Mike, the kids are grown and they're already out of their homes. Okay, it's too late for them. What about the grandkids? What about those around? It's not too late. You know what we need? We need Christians that will serve. That's what we need. And here's the thing. It may not look flashy. You may not have numbers behind it. You may not have anything. You may be doing something that you got to turn around to do again the next week. The grass grows again. Yeah. Right? It feels like you're accomplishing nothing. You mowed a whole bunch of times and there it is growing again. But guess what? The Lord sees those things. Yeah. Your kids see those things. And that's what we need. Amen. That's what we need today. I'm here to tell you. And we can do it. I'm going to read a verse to you that's very popular. Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. And we yes. like to stop there. We like to stop there. Because we say now, yes, God is able. Because that's what it says. God can do. He's able, right? He, he can do this. He can do exceeding abundantly. But we don't like the last part of the verse. According to the power that worketh in us. We don't like that part. We want the can. We want the exceeding abundant. We want everything God's able to do because we know he's able to do a lot. But we don't want it working through us. We want it working through him. Right? He didn't say that. Guess what? I don't know why, but God has chosen us to do the things that we need to do. He could have built the boat and dropped it out of the sky right for Noah to walk into, but it, that's not what he chose. He could make the gospel written in the sky. He could make the rocks tell the gospel. He could do a million different things to give the gospel, but he didn't pick those things. He chose us. To spread the gospel. Amen. He could have picked all sorts of things. Uh, to be a picture of Christ. But he picked husbands. Showing love to their wives. I don't know why he did that. But that's what he did. And this is what God's telling us to do. He's saying hey. Uh, uh, you are not going to see the full power. If you're not letting God work. In your life. And work is the key word. But guess what. It's those times. When it's just a regular day 
And you're saying, Lord, I'm trusting you today and nothing flashy today. But, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I don't understand it. And we just do what God's telling us to do. And he gives us the power to do it. He gives us the wisdom to do it. It's in those moments that we see God working in us. And we're reminded of what he can really do. But, again, it's a choice. It's a choice. It wasn't a choice when they were in bondage in Egypt. Once God got them out, everything's a choice after that. What about you? If you've never come to Jesus Christ, you're sinning because you're a sinner. Right? You'll never break free from the bondage of sin without Jesus Christ. Amen. But if you're saved today, it's a choice. You choose whether you're going to wander in the wilderness. We talked about this Wednesday night. You can wander in the wilderness or you can go into the promised land. You can go in the promised land and you can serve the old idols or you can serve the Lord. Amen. You can go through the entire Bible. It's a choice. Right. Who are you going to serve? And that same choice is still today. I'm going to ask everyone to